Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I am an educator, speaker, mentor, and author. I believe in the importance of helping children reach their potential so they will become well-rounded, intelligent citizens with positive influence and impact in society. Join me to hear from experts who can help give parents access to the best skills, strategies, tools, and resources to help their children be successful and ultimately excel in the world. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Panos. Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I have a a guest today with me. I am the host, uh, but I have a special guest for you all, parents. Her name is Deborah Daniels. She is a CPA. Welcome, Deborah, to our show. Thanks for having me, Helen. It's, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking time out in your busy uh, tax season to uh, join us today on our show. So I want to uh, begin by asking you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and Um, your background, because I know you've been a CPA for quite a while. I have. I have. I've been doing this entrepreneurial journey for almost 30 years. I mean, this is my 29th year owning the firm. So I was very, I mean, I was, I was barely out of college. I had one really corporate job before I decided to do the entrepreneurial thing. And I have not looked back. I mean, that's a whole nother story. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about money today, but um, I've, have an MBA. I, I studied econ and finance as an undergrad, but I will tell you most of what we're going to chat about today about money and things that I think parents need to know about as a parent of a senior in high school and a senior in college um, was not stuff that I learned in my, in my formal education. Um, it's, it's really having done the journey for 30 years of building some, some sense of, of money, wealth and, and helping tons of clients do it. It's a really a trial and error. And unfortunately there's not a real mechanism for financial education in our educational system. I mean, I think you had mentioned to me that there is some curriculum in in your school district a week in middle school. I mean, I'm not sure how much you're going to learn in a week. I mean, I know the stats are something like 4% of high schools in the country have any kind of personal finance curriculum. That's, that's insane. I mean, we don't come out of the womb understanding how money works yet. It impacts, and I'm not saying life is about money by any sense, but it impacts everything that's important. Right. And so how can we in, in conscience send our children out into the world without understanding how this works when it can impact everything that they do? Right, exactly. And if they're entrepreneurs like ourselves, definitely it can affect them, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah. even the even the non-entrepreneur, even I, I'll tell I'll tell you a funny story. I had an employee come to work for me straight out of college. I mean, I get a lot of my my employees over the years. I've hired over the thirty years. I actually did something recently where I was talking at a social entrepreneurship thing, and I was talking about the impact of 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 entrepreneurship. And I just did a back of the envelope kind of calculation. I've had about 50 employees in these 30 years. And I just did with over $4 million in wages for those 50 people over 30 years, which is just crazy. And then that's such a ripple effect in the economy. You just don't realize how much small businesses like ours are impacting. But how I get a lot of my employees is I just put out there and say, Hey, I'm looking for someone. And someone referred me their daughter and she came to work for me straight out of college. And the first check that she got, she's like, Deborah, there's something wrong. You took social security out of my check. I'm not getting social security. And I was like, well, that's, that's the thing. You don't understand. 
everybody that works, the social <laughs> security comes out so that you can pay for the people that are getting social security. Yeah, right. she was floored. She's like, I'm 22 years old. Why are you taking social security? I mean, but they don't even know the basics of how all this stuff works. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, there's a mistake. You took it out of my check. I'm like, no, it's not a mistake. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, Georgia put into the uh, social studies curriculum. I think we were, I was kind of mentioning that to you. It's a Georgia curriculum thing where, um, in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, you teach personal finance because I've done it for 20 something years, not mm-hmm. 20 years. I'd say the last 10, they did that. Mm-hmm. Last time they did a revision to the curriculum, but it is only one week. And uh, they, we do take them down to the Georgia World Congress Center where um, Junior Achievement would do a whole finance thing. But now, you know, with COVID this past year, obviously none of those kids. Right. I, I totally love Junior Achievement. When my, when my kids were in up through middle school. I don't think their high school did it. I always um, volunteer for junior achievement. Of course, it embarrassed my kids. They don't really want you to come and talk about what you do and everything. Um, but, but I I mean, I felt like I really, as a person who was in that space, which really junior achievement is about business and career and stuff like that, that I needed to do that. Um, it, and, it, and it does cover some areas. I, I think it was interesting. We talked about entrepreneurship and business and things like that. But those are not topics that people are chatting about with their parents over dinner. You know, I mean, (laughs) which is surprising when you think about it, really, (laughs) or even I mean, it's even adults. Money is a is a is a funny topic. Um, I often make the I'm like, why we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table with your extended family, you know, maybe, you know, 20, 30 of you. And nobody will talk about how much money they make or what they're investing in or what they do, you know, with their money. And it's it's like. I don't know if we're afraid to talk about it because we're embarrassed because we don't know or we're embarrassed because, you know, it's just it's a topic that needs to be more open because it does impact everything that we're doing. But when you're not taught something, I mean, it's like I don't talk about medical stuff because I don't understand it, you know, right. I mean, and that's why people don't talk about money. Right. And I mean, I tell I talk with adult friends. Right. And I'm like, so, you know, I have a finance person, you know, do you guys have a finance person? I think everybody should have a financial planner, an accountant, a CPA, a doctor, just like you have a doctor, a chiropractor. Why not? Why not have a financial person? I think, I guess there's this stigma that you have to invest a bunch of money to have a financial person, I assume. <laughs> right. And, and, and that, and, you know, and, and from a real reality standpoint, as someone who actually is in the, you know, in addition to CPA stuff, I also do financial um, planning with some of my clients. The reality is the middle market is kind of ignored a little bit because the people that are in that industry, 100%, I mean, I do it as an extra thing for my clients, but the people that are really doing that 100% of the time, they're looking for the bigger accounts. They kind of don't want to deal with the smaller okay, accounts, okay. you know, which is, is is a shame because the thing is smaller accounts become bigger accounts, you know? Right. So, I mean, if, if you're managing them, because right. it really is a scenario of, it's just like with your health. I mean, working out one time doesn't do you any good, but working out consistently, eating the right things consistently, saving money consistently, dealing with it all the time, not just looking at it once a year when you do your taxes or once a year when it's time to figure out your budget for the year. I mean, you have, it has to be like a daily kind of, it's those daily things that make a difference. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess you've seen a lot of changes since uh, 1992, right? When you started your business. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, of course. I mean, it just, I mean, well, the whole world has changed. I mean, because remember, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons I have my business, I often tell people is because there wasn't an internet in 1992. I, I got recruited away from a corporate job, uh, one corporate job I worked for John Portman here in Atlanta, actually, and 
And um, we were super busy for like a week of the month, right? But then the other three weeks, we weren't that busy. Now today I could be watching, you know, Netflix or playing on Facebook or something on my computer. But remember in 1992, we didn't even have a personal computer really. So so when you didn't have anything to do, you're kind of like sitting there. So, I mean, just everything we didn't have. I mean, think about the things that we didn't have. We didn't have the iPhone. We didn't have a cell phone, frankly, in 1992. A computer to start your business with a huge big monitor, you know, and, and barely even could have the space of one file now, I mean, cost three or $4,000. I mean, it's just, everything has changed in 30 years. Right. So how, how young should parents getting back to financial literacy? Cause I definitely want to talk about this. How young do you think parents should begin to teach their children about financial literacy responsibility? And what is the best way you think to go about doing that? Let's kind of break this down because my audience- My age group, sure, sure. Well, I think think it's never too early. I mean, I, I remember being stopped in the grocery store one time by someone as my son was sitting in the little front part and I was talking to him about something costing something or whatever. He was a toddler. And the lady's like, do you talk to your child like he's an adult? I'm like, if you talk to your child like they're a baby, they're gonna continue to act like they're a baby. You know, and I just think it's never too soon to start explaining, you know, that, that, that it costs money to have things, you know, we, uh, my son, oh my gosh, we had, he always wanted something at the mall. I mean, so we would go to the dollar (laughs) store and get some little thing. And I had to explain to him, look, you know, you, you, mom and dad have to work for that. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like we go out in the backyard and dig up some, you know, money to buy you something all the time. So I don't think it's ever too early to start explaining to them the difference you know, that, that, that money doesn't just grow on trees. I mean, that's kind of a silly cliche, but money doesn't just grow on trees and mm-hmm. you have to, your effort is going to um, get you the things that you want. I think kids should have chores at a very early age as well and start learning that, you know, they are a responsible, you know, per, part of your family community, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't do it at home, they're not going to be great at school. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've seen that in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You can tell which kids have chores, which kids have, you know, been taught some of that stuff at home. Mm-hmm. And then they are given an allowance. And I, I, I agree to it, to that. I mean, I hate to say, give them money to do their chores, but then take that as a positive And again, do what, you know, you're saying, Deborah, now you start teaching them. Okay. So what can we do with this money? What are you saving for? What's your goal? Right. So and some, and some people have their kids immediately, even when they start getting a um, an allowance, even as little kids, peeling part of that off, say 10% for savings and giving some for charity. I mean, I, I don't think it's too early to t- teach them about that either. I mean, the sooner they start understanding the concept of save a little bit for later, you know, um, and also to, con- you know, be grateful for what you have and, and give to people that don't have as much as you, um, it's never too early for that. And what about the older kids, the high schoolers? What do you think for sure? Should they be aware of by the time they're in ninth grade let's say well I mean the thing is I think one I think kids are a lot more savvy than they were when we were in the ninth grade right I mean one they just grew up with all this technology in their hand I mean literally they're walking around with a cell phone that has more computing power than the computer that sent you know the first I think I heard this before that the first rocket to the moon had less computing power than our cell phone does um but so they're a little bit more in tune with what's going on I think they are a lot savvier because of the they're much more into the electronic money stuff. They're used to just having a card. You know, when we grew up, we, you know, we had to ask for $5 to go to the movies. We had to have the cash in our hand. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think they really need to understand that that swipe is very tied, whether it's a debit or a credit, um, that it's very tied to there actually is real money out there just because you're not, you know, 
counting out the dollars, there's, there's a correlation. It's not like this funny money, like there's not being paid. And I think they need to understand about debt really early as well, that the, the difference between a debit card and a credit card. When I have a debit card that's coming out of, the, that money's there and it's immediately being paid. A credit card, yes, we can use that if we need to buy a new computer or if we need to um, you know, buy something big, but we're not gonna pay for our, you know, continue to pay for lifestyle issues. Like, oh great, you want a brand new name brand, whatever, that's not what your credit card is for. I think early on, they need to understand about credit. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And that there's interest involved. With the exactly. exactly. You're not gonna pay it. <laughs> it's going to be a lot larger than you originally thought. Right. Um, but I think they need to understand that there's also interest involved in savings as well. That it's not just a matter of you're sticking it over in a hole. Right. I remember when um, I was very young, um, in the 70s, um, my uh, dad won the Connecticut lottery, a small amount, like $10,000 or whatever. And he gave my sister and I $500. And this was back when actually you got paid money, a lot of money to be in the bank. We had a passbook savings. And I was so thrilled when I found out you got paid five and a quarter percent interest on the money that you put in. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen 5% interest on a savings account. But in the 70s, that was, (laughs) but I was thrilled by that. I mean, and of course, I guess it was a little easier to get a addicted to savings when you got 5% versus now, you know, you only get like less than 1%, right. but realizing that saving it does grow. It's not just a matter of putting it over in a hold and, and nothing is happening with it. Well, I'm going back to like finance and accounts and finding, you know, investing your money. So there you go. You can see it more there. Um, as a parent of a high school senior, and I guess you just said a college senior, I didn't realize he was already a senior too. Right, right. Um, what can you say you have taught your kids as a parent about money over the years that has stayed with them to this day? You think? Well, I think one, I mean, they grew up, I mean, I've owned the business. I've had my business for 29 years. My children are 22 and 18. So obviously their entire life, they have been involved in our business. I mean, they grew up on this conference table where we're talking right now, watching movies. They would sit and watch movies while while their dad and I did tax returns and and things like that. So they very much have been ingrained, you earn what you you get. Um, They, that has been the biggest thing. And I also teach them not to judge people on the things that they have because, you know, it's very easy. We live in an affluent part of town, you know, to see, you know, the expensive cars and expensive houses and those kind of things. But the reality is you can't, that tells you really nothing about people because spending habits are so different between people. Right. And so, I mean, the reality is some of the people that have the most wealth are not the ones driving around in the nicest cars. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, And so you can't judge, you know, things based on, you know, well, they have the nicer thing or they, I mean, I gave, I mean, believe me, as a person who comes from not really from money, I mean, I've earned everything that I have. I want to give my kids things. And and in a way, I think I kind of spoiled them, but not nearly as much as I see people being spoiled around here. I mean, 16 year olds driving brand new, you know, expensive cars that, that just doesn't make sense to me. So I have taught them the value of, and of working as well, but I didn't make my kids work a 
lot during high school, even though I think they should have, but they were super involved in sports and in dance and in things like that. And they both made super grades. I mean, my daughter got early acceptance into Georgia and Georgia Tech. And I mean, you know, tons of AP classes. I mean, that is work to me. If you're doing your, I mean, we equated that. If you kept your grades up and you kept your activities up, then we then we gave them an allowance to, to make up for them not working. Because reality is you only have 24 hours in a day. I mean, I've worked from the day, from the minute I turned 15 and could get a work permit because we didn't have money growing up. So if I want to gas for a car, I had to work to get it. We do, I mean, even, but I will tell you, money mindset is so impacted by the way you talk about money at home. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, and the, because we have, we, like I said, did not spoil our kids a lot, but I struggle with my son's spending at school all the time because he's used to seeing what his dad and I do now. But I mean, the thing is, we get what we want, but we have earned that, you know, and, and over I, 29 years, that's right. You know, you know what I'm saying? And I, I had someone tell me this and this made so much sense to me that when they travel, sometimes they will let the spouses will sit in first class, but they make their kids sit. They're like, why aren't we sitting up there with you? It's because we wow. earned this. We that's earned right. this. You know, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, and I think, <laughs> would you explain to them that there's a hierarchy here? You know, I mean, of course, we're not going to, I'm not going to leave my son without clothes or without food at school, but I mean, he can certainly curtail his spending money. And we are having a conversation about that this weekend when he comes home, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> parents don't have the money conversation enough with their kids. I mean, my kids are probably like, God, will you stop talking about money? But the thing is, it's not like money, like, like bad or, you know, I think we have so many money stories that if you're not open with your kids about what's going on or like right now, we're, you know, my daughter's picking a college and I, I mean, we have fortunately saved up in a 529 plan for, for her to go to pretty much wherever she wants to go. But I mean, she's looking at the cost versus what she's going to get. I mean, obviously if your kid can get, you know, hope or, or, um, Zell Miller or whatever here in town. I mean, you know, in Georgia, that's amazing. But I mean, she is looking at some out of state schools, which with her grades, she's getting, you know, a lot of like options as far as, um, you know, in-state tuition because her grades are good, but it's still going to cost a lot more. And she's looking at, is it worth it for me to pay this or this? I mean, you've got to make that ranking. If you're not, if they're not used to seeing you compare prices, they're not going to compare prices. That's awesome. That's great that she's doing that at 18. That's awesome. <laughs> Most kids are just like, I want to go to Georgia or I want, you know, they have their mind on a certain college. They probably don't have a clue maybe how much it even costs. I'm kind of surprised she's actually going to major in, um, well, I don't know if she goes to tech, my husband's got her convinced to maybe do industrial engineering, but she's interested in international business, which. Um, oh, is, is oh, that's awesome. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of public schools and, uh, um, you know, I don't know how much you know about public schools, but personal finance, like we were talking about a little while ago, is taught just one one week in, mm-hmm. in a grade level. And believe me, I usually had to rush it to get it taught. <laughs> um, but I did find that a lot of the kids that, um, like you were just saying, I, you could tell who whose children uh, understand credit cards, money somewhat, and who don't have really much of a clue maybe um should there be an entire elective course i thought about this when i knew i was going to interview you um dedicated to this at least by seventh and maybe eighth grade and why or why not i mean there well, are I would say like it, in middle maybe school not, maybe not even middle school but i think at least there's room in the curriculum because you know my my um children go to one of the um church related schools here in town and it's a requirement for graduation one semester 
of personal finance. Ah, that's, okay. I mean, that's part of the, the curriculum. And I mean, I, I don't think that there's, there's a problem with that. I mean, there's a lot of room in the schedule, even with as many AP classes as my daughter had, <laughs> she had no trouble fitting that in. And I, I do think it should be a structured, but I will tell you, I even listened in on the class that she did. And I mean, of course the semester's better than none, but I mean, I think we need to make sure we're teaching them the right stuff. I mean, to just talk about I mean, student loans, of course, that's important. That's one area of thing. But um, uh, there's a lot of areas that I think that they could they could focus on a little bit better. <laughs> Excuse me. I got a little tickle in my throat. That's all right. Um, so, yeah, you know what? Talking to you, we might have to gather together and um, start uh, emailing our representatives in the state of Georgia and see if we can get that uh in there. Oh, I definitely, I I I don't think it would hurt them at all. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm all about keeping the PE and the arts and all that kind of stuff, but if we can have any space for that, I mean, one semester for, you know, something that's going to impact their lives forever. I mean, understanding about debt and understanding about how credit works and understanding, you know, about mortgages and college, you know, you know, if you, from a reality standpoint, if you're not ever talking about money, it, you don't think twice about going to a school, racking up $100,000 worth of debt, and then getting a job that only pays you $60,000. Does that make sense? You're, I mean, how are you ever going to buy a house? Right. You know? I think I mean, it was high school when I first took a course uh, in that. I'm pretty sure like 10th grade, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Maybe we can work, work on uh, talking to our legislators right. about that, right. adding it to the Georgia curriculum. Um, so I know you've been in business for 29 years. Is there a situation that you can remember where a customer may have started with you other than the person that worked with you, the <laughs> actual customer maybe that's been with you all this time, just about maybe they started at 19, 20, 21, 22, and you've seen the benefits of a CPA working with them at a young age and what benefits have you noticed that you can share with parents? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I, uh, having done this for 29 years, I literally have multiple generations of families a lot of the time. I mean, I actually just had one reach out to me um, that's a child, the youngest child of someone. He must've been, he's only like in his twenties. So he must've been not even born when I started working with his parents. But um, they, uh, multiple times, I have clients that the parents bring them in. I mean, like last year, I'll remember one, I've got a client who's got an adult child who's a little bit um, got some occupational issues or whatever and, 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 you know, needs a little bit of help with things. She, he came in, she came in, he explained to her about a tax return. And now, I mean, she actually emails me and asks me questions, which is, you know, fine. Awesome. Um, about money and about should she change this on her withholding of her W-2 and things like that. But I think, again, people that clients of mine that are interested in their money are talking to their kids about their money because I talk about it all the time to them. And we do a lot of just education. I have a class that's called Wealth 101 that just basically talks about some of how does money work? You know, what are the things that you should be doing? You know, the rule of 72, you know, compound interest and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you'd be surprised people our age, you know, people that are, you know, well into their adulthood leave that class and they're like, I never heard of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how often do you do the class? 
we do them twice. We, we just have cranked them back up live. I mean, we do them twice a month live in my office out in Alpharetta, but then I also do some virtual ones. And so we're doing it. We're going to keep the virtual at least once a month. So if any, and we'll put, we're, we haven't been putting the schedule on the website, but I'm, I think I'm going to add that to the website. So people yeah. can find it. Yeah, perfect. It's all, it was when it was live, primarily my own clients. But since we started doing it um, virtually, I mean, then people all around the country can jump in. So it doesn't matter. So let's talk about the last question is, you know, the world is changing rapidly. I'm not even talking about just COVID, but <laughs> for sure that sped things up in terms of, you know, mentality and things and, uh, you know, technology, let's say. Right, so right. A lot of mentality, you have a millennial, right? So a lot of mentality is about the here and the now and not really saving. So we are not seen as many young people, I'll say, in their 20s, saving time or saving over time for a big purchase, let's say mm-hmm. getting ready for a house or uh, getting married years to come well, or having a family. How do you see that as being a problem as years go by, whether that, that problem is for ourselves, you know, in particular and or society as well? Well, there's a lot of problems with what's kind of happening demographically with money. Um, ever since 2008, the people coming out of college have had a harder time getting started. I mean, because, you know, there were a couple of years where there were just no jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was, I saw the evolution in my client base where a lot of kids were staying at home till 25, 26, 27, 28, because they just couldn't earn money to leave out. That's a huge demographic change from like when we got out of, I mean, well, there's a lot of demographic changes. When when I got out of high school, only about 50% of people were going to college. I'm the first person that graduated from college in my family. Um, now, a lot of them are going to college, but then they're not doing anything with the degree that they have. So people are staying at home longer, even though they don't want to. But then also, let's flip it to the other side where we are living longer. I mean, in so many of us, I mean, in our, in our age range are in it's called the sandwich generation, but I like to call it the squeeze generation because I feel squeezed between my kids that are still costing me money and my parents that I'm having to support. I mean, so it's like, whoa, I mean, and then trying to have our own lives in between. So I think demographically, we're going to see more and more of that. So I think, you know, and there's so many cultural things that have changed. You know, back in the old days when grandma got old, we just moved her into one of the rooms in our house. People aren't doing that anymore. You know, I mean, now the cost of assisted living, we've got to teach our kids you know, about money because, you know, so many of people that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s are not prepared for the huge cost of living another 20 or 30 years. So if our kids aren't going to help us, what are we really going to do? So it's it's kind of self-interest to teach your kids about money <laughs> in case you yeah. need them to help you. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you got to take care of me. <laughs> I mean, because there's just so many demographic things happening. Our lives are expanding. Costs are so are increasing. Kids are staying, you know, living longer at their house. Not only that, people are rating their retirement plans to pay for their kids to get these expensive degrees that then they may or may not be using. I mean, there's so much strategy in how to move the money intergenerationally. But if you're not even talking about it, it I mean, how do you do that? If, if they, you know. I agree. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to be taken care of later. <laughs> so what is your um, what, what do you have to offer our audience? I, I know you probably have a, 
a free call where people can. Yeah, exactly. Anyone that would, I mean, you know, any of this just kind of sparks interest. Um, you know, you can check me out at my website, charteraccounting.com. All our contact information is there, a link to, to do a, um, call with me if you want to. And anyone that, I mean, that would like, you know, just a 20 minute, like check in, like quick question or whatever. Um, totally, you know, no cost or whatever. Um, I will, I'm going to go ahead and add our educational, our free educational stuff to the site. So people can check that out there as well. And actually I had, when I first started speaking, I actually was doing a class called financial literacy for teens because it, and this was about 10 years ago when my kids were a little bit younger, because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I talk about money all the time. And these guys are clueless. And so I started talking to clients about it and they're like, yeah, I'll bring my child, but I also want to come. And that was kind of the birth of the Wealth 101. But I think there's a little bit of a different voice for children. And I think I'm going um, to crank that back up again. So if they follow me on my website and get on my um, newsletter list, which I'm not selling on my newsletter, I'm just giving information. I write articles about IRAs and about taxes and about money and about what should you talk to your kids about? <laughs> um, uh, then they can just get into my world because I do a lot of just, you know, free education kind of stuff on my social media. I talk about a lot of that stuff, um, you know, and I mean, that's the easiest way to contact me is through my website, probably. Yeah, we need to talk about that. We might need to do a free webinar. For my oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's it's so, so important. I mean, and, and, you know, we all have our pet projects. I mean, and to me, financial literacy is my pet project, either for the entrepreneur or for the senior or for the young people. You know, I'm working on my book because um, I do a lot with women. And so that book is actually almost done called women's wealth secrets and actually the publisher that i'm talking to is like that should be a series you could do women's wealth, I mean, wealth secrets for entrepreneurs wealth secrets for teens wealth secrets for seniors so i mean we're, we're in the works on that <laughs> awesome okay so do you have a favorite quote or a affirmation that you'd like to share with our audience sure sure i don't know that i can sp say it exactly but it's basically my whole if you see behind me Robert Kiyosaki made a um, has a quote that is, um, it's not how much money you make, but it's how much you keep, how much, how long it works for you, and how many generations it 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 flows into. I mean, that's not an exact quote, but it's basically make more, keep more, and grow more. I mean, it's not. It, it, we're so focused on what salary we have or whatever, but the reality is most people have leaks in their money system so much that they're pouring more money into the bucket as fast as they can, but it's going out as fast as they can. And that's what I try to tell. That's the point I was making to my children about don't judge based on the car or based on the house or whatever, because a lot of those people are living way outside their means and they're, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, but it really is. It's money is a generational thing. I mean, it, if you don't, talk about money, you're not going to move forward in money and you're not going to build any wealth. And I'm not saying build wealth just so we could buy bigger houses, bigger cars. The reality is that people, good people making good money do good things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and so it's really about accumulating wealth, not just for yourself, but because it does have an impact in your community. And a good topic to talk about, which I know I used to talk about with kids is needs versus wants, because they're being attacked so much on marketing, right? And yes. now that everybody's home and on virtual and the, a lot of the kids are doing virtual classes, they're constantly probably seeing these emails of things they want to buy. I mean, me too. It, I, I mean, I have to stop and think about I mean, it. It's, it's so tempting. It's very hard to, I mean, because, I mean, there's all kinds of psychological stuff that goes into these commercials and into this messaging. And, and you really have to have a strong 
you know, foundation of needs versus wants. I, I, I mean, I actually talk, I call it money non-negotiables. Like what are the things that you definitely are going to say yes to on money? I mean, I don't know if we have time, but my quick things, um, if, it, if it buys me more money or revenue or investment or whatever, that's usually a yes. If it gets me more time, because we can't, it's only 24 hours in a day, right? So um, if I could, you know, get productivity or whatever, if it increases my health, which is a new one that I kind of added over the past couple of years, and or if it builds relationships. Those to me are things that I almost have always a hard yes. And I want to, you know, it's based on your values. It's based on what's important to you. And if you instill that in your kids, they're not going to be so willing to grab the next thing that, that doesn't fit it. I mean, not that we don't buy anything outside of those four categories, right? I mean, obviously, but, um, you know, when you know what's important to you, it's easier to say yes. And it's easier to say no to things that don't fit into that category. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff being targeted out there. <laughs> the messaging, the, I mean, I find myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even need this and I'm going to buy it. I mean, you know, you have to think twice. <laughs> I have to catch myself. I'm like, do I need it? I have to keep asking myself, do I need this? Exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like Bath and Body Works was running something for 350 and I'm like, yeah, I do need one of these. I go over there. Of course, I purchased like three or four. Right. Did I really need three or four? Now it's going to, you know, it'll be there to use. But right. <laughs> um, so what are two things you are most thankful for? I added this in, in this uh, season two. What are you most thankful for right now? Um, I am thankful. I, I will tell you, I mean, you cannot be in business for 29 years without a support structure. Um, I am super thankful for the team that I have right now because I mean, I could not service a thousand clients by myself. So I'm a hundred percent thankful for that um, because I'm going to take care of my clients. If I don't have the good team, that just means I work a lot harder. Um, and I, I mean, I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful. I have a really great community of friends and um, of other women business owners, because it's a lonely place out there to be in business by your, for yourself. I mean, and so, I mean, I remember when my kids were little and I used to go to like the soccer games and stuff, because I was at everything for my kids. That was the beauty of being, you know, an entrepreneur. But I, 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 I couldn't, I mean, I'm a hundred percent behind people if they want to stay home with their kids, but I didn't have a lot to talk about. It's, a lonely place when you're the one, I mean, that's, that's out there doing these other things and, and, and you don't have anybody to talk to. So having a, a wonderful network of women business owners that one are great resources for me, but then also are great friends for me. Uh, those are the two things I'm thankful for my team. And of course my family fits into the team. <laughs> They're the home team. <laughs> okay. Well, that's so great. Um, so where else can people reach you? Uh, I know your website, charteraccounting.com, right? Yes, exactly. You wanna, uh, give out your office number to the sure, office? Sure, sure. They can call the office here in Alpharetta at 770-671-0021. And they can find you on LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, LinkedIn, right? um, Instagram, Facebook. All of my handles are either Deborah Daniel CPA or Deborah D CPA because I couldn't. Fit, I mean, one of them you can't be that long. <laughs> right. And Deborah is D E B O R A H. Everyone. Daniel with no S. Sorry, <laughs> okay, Daniel with no S. Plus, my YouTube channel has some great videos. Oh yeah, that's right. Check her out on her YouTube channel. That's right. 
All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I I, I loved interviewing you. This is one of my favorite topics, Deborah. <laughs> I know we've had many conversations. <laughs> I should have been a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't want to change careers, I would love somebody with your awesome work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll come over there part time and help you. Out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, and uh, join us on our next episode of Achieving Your Child's Potential. Bye bye for now. Thank you for listening to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Whenever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to dynamuslearningacademy.com slash podcast. You may also contact me if you need tutoring assistance for your child. I may be reached at Helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.